0: We're continuing our series for uh, Advent today. Uh, today, using the title of Finding Emmanuel in Opportunities. To that end, I want to read you firstly uh, from Matthew's Gospel uh, in chapter 25, and they are on the screen. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And then Titus, uh, the letter of Titus in chapter 3, and I want to read uh, verses 1 to 8 and then verse 14. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities. Do not be obedient, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle towards everyone. At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and being and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Christ Jesus, our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. And then verse 14. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. Just there. And uh, I thank God for uh, his words from scripture uh, this morning. So I want to talk about finding Emmanuel in opportunities uh, this morning. You know, to do good, to serve one another, and taking opportunities to express kindness is sometimes pretty risky isn't it? because you never know how well it's going to go down. And and yet, and yet it can be the most rewarding and pastoral thing we ever do as a church, is to just serve one another. However you define that word serve. I mean, to knock on someone's door is pretty scary uh, even if you have a charming little dog with you. Uh, they may have an Alsatian. <laughs> and it's still a bit scary. And sometimes when we use an opportunity to love unconditionally, and this is the hard part, there can be no response. Have you ever reached out to someone and figuratively kind of got a clop for your troubles? It happens all the time. It's a pretty risky to reach out and love one another uh, without expecting anything in return, good or bad. Uh, no acknowledgement, if you like, of our kindness. Because, you know, is it human nature that when you reach out to someone uh, and you do something good for them, we kind of expect them to be thankful and, and to thank us for it. Now, in the context in which we're talking here, that's not necessarily the case. We don't, we don't reach out to one another because we want a response. Or certainly that wouldn't be the Jesus model. Uh, We reach out to one another in love, irrespective. But that's not why we do it, is it? To get a response. Surely we just reach out to one another uh, instinctively with a love for the folk around us, uh, wanting to pour a little bit of joy into their sad old world. And there's a lot of sad old worlds around us, if I may be so bold. I think God calls us to sow a little love and to take the opportunities to love one another in our, in our world today. So we don't do it to get a response, do we? I don't think so. I mean, surely we reach out to one another because God has called us to pour a bit of love into one another's lives. If I were to share your story with us, or if I were to ask you to share your story with us, I'm sure you would relate a story that recounts some random act of kindness that someone has uh, reached out to you with. I mean, that's kind of human nature. Someone that has had a profound effect on your life one way or another, an impact. And I'm sure all of us have a name in mind or a face. There are so many broken, hurting, lonely people around us. And for those of you who live in retirement complexes, And for those of us who move around in the retirement complexes, we are constantly, I'll use the word horrified, at how lonely people can be, surrounded by a crowd of people. It's actually quite scary. And and I think that people need to be found and saved and brought home into the love of Jesus Christ. However we do that, however simply we do that, I believe that that we need to reach out to the folk around us, the people that live next door, the people we meet every day that serve us in the shops. It's amazing how a simple act of kindness can make that happen. If only we would take the opportunity. Uh, To do something, just reach out to someone in, in kindness without expecting anything in return. I heard a song some time ago with the words, a simple act of kindness brought me home. It did not say an elaborate act of kindness brought me home. Just a simple act of kindness. And I think that this lines up pretty well with Jesus' teachings. Uh, An example. When he said, and I'm paraphrasing, it doesn't take a lot. If you just give a cup of cold water in my name, it's going to make a difference in someone's life. It doesn't have to be earth-shattering. Sometimes just a glass of water. A simple act of kindness. A simple walk next door. A simple hand on the head of a child, messing up their hair. Uh, Have a great day to the cashier before she gets a chance to say it to you. I was reading the other day, a man goes into Wimpy and he has a simple meal, around about 70, 80 bucks. uh, And he puts a 200 rand tip on the table and he walks out. And then he goes outside and he looks through the window to see the waitress's response when she picks up the money he's left behind. And he gets his joy from watching them jump up and down and dance around the place when they get a 200 rand tip for serving an 80 rand meal. And it's that kind of thing. I think this is what Jesus was getting to, what the, what the Bible gets to. So I want to start this morning just by reading some information about two individuals, and as I go along, you're going to know who I'm talking about. Just if you get to know who it is, you can whisper it into the whisper note, uh, into the voice, uh, into the ear of the person next to you. One is a man and the other is a woman. Uh, Here's the first person. He was born a Lutheran pastor in 1875. He became an acclaimed organist, and was a worldwide authority on Bach. By the time he was 30, he'd earned doctorates in theology and philosophy. In 1905, he enrolled in medical school so that on receiving his degree, he would no longer have to, quote, merely talk about the religion of love, but put it into practice with his hands. In 1913, he and his wife moved to French Equatorial Africa, now Gabon. Uh, to build a treatment center for uh, under-resourced Africans. He stayed there the rest of his life. He was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1952. Died at the age of 90 in 1965. Who is he? Albert Schweitzer. second one is even better known. Who is this woman? She was born the youngest of three children in the former Yugoslavia. In 1910, joined a youth group. By age 17, knew she wanted to live a life that was God-guided. She became a high school teacher in geography and was promoted to high school principal in 1944. But her career there was ended when she contracted TB. And in 1948, she started an unofficial school for young children in the slums. She combined teaching and medical care to nurse them toward health. In 1950, she rented a home with her own money so that people who were dying in the streets could be transported there to die with dignity. She was one of the earliest pioneers of treating people with AIDS, before the disease even had a name. She received the Nobel Peace Prize in 1975, died a household name in 1997. Anyone won? No? Mother Teresa, of course. Will the world ever see two people like that Again, Will we ever see a modern day Mother Teresa ever again? I think we will. I think we do. You'll be surprised how many Mother Teresas I meet. You'll be surprised how many Albert Schweitzes I meet. People whose lives make a difference in other people's lives. And if you look very carefully, maybe that person sitting next to you. Because this is not one person. This is God's dream for His church. That we take the opportunities that are put before us on a daily basis to make a difference, even with a cup of water. Are we? Will we? You know, the Bible's very clear. On this one. In Titus, in chapter 3, in verse 8, he writes, We all must devote ourselves, we all must devote ourselves to doing good. Titus 3, verse 1, remind the people to be ready to do whatever is good. The opportunities, finding Emmanuel in opportunities, whatever, wherever they present themselves. Verse 14 of Titus, Paul goes on. We must learn to devote ourselves to doing what is good in order that we don't live unproductive lives. Paul says, Don't squander your one and only life by missing opportunities to do good. Now, don't tell me that you're retired and that doesn't apply to you anymore. Probably it applies to us because I count myself as one of you. It applies to us probably more than anyone else because we are constantly surrounded by people who need to be blessed. Now, most of us fall into the trap of saying, if I don't do any damage to people, if I avoid hurting them, if I avoid putting them at a disadvantage, that's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. Paul's, and, and Jesus was not talking about passivity. He was about doing something. It's no good just sitting and nodding our heads wisely at the sermon. Ah, well said, pastor. You know, you know what you're talking about. And then we walk outside and well, what did he say? <laughs> you know, if we're just listening and not doing, then then we're missing the point of, you know, finding our chances, finding Emmanuel in the opportunities that present themselves to us every day of our lives. Dare I say that God is asking or looking for us to use the opportunities that present themselves to us every single day of our lives. He's not asking us to be another Albert Schweitzer or Mother Teresa. He's asking you and me to be me and you. Just to be who we are, where we are at this time and place. It's that simple. It's that simple. Now, in Galatians chapter six, Paul who says it best, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if if we don't give up, therefore. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Let's not go down that road. You know, there is such a way to live like this. It's the Jesus way. And I mean, we, what, are we, what are we celebrating tomorrow? We're celebrating Jesus. It's the way he called each and every one of us, all of his followers, to live to find him in the opportunities that present themselves every day of our life. I guarantee you, before you get home today, you will pass somebody standing at a robot looking a little bit unkept and a little bit scruffy that would love for somebody to just reach out with a little bit of love, take the opportunity to just bless them with something. And I know I'm talking to the converted. And so to wrap up, let me summarize the central theme of this whole series of finding Emmanuel. Will you find Emmanuel or Jesus Christ in your rejection? We've spoken about this. Will you find Emmanuel or Jesus Christ in your infirmity? We've spoken about this. Will you find Emmanuel or Jesus as an outsider? Not someone in the little inner circle, whoever they are. Will you find opportunities... Or will you find Emmanuel, rather, in your opportunities? We're passing those opportunities every day of our life, wherever we are. Are we using our opportunities to spread a little bit of love in a sad old world? (coughs) Perhaps, and this is the big question maybe, why? Why should we be finding Emmanuel? Look at this remarkable verse in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. If we don't do it, who is going to? Who is? God wants us, is begging us to pour out his goodness and his grace and his generosity and his love and forgiveness because only we can do it. There's no one else. God has no one else but you and me. Mother Teresa said it. We are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. In other words, the good that Jesus wants to do in the world, he does through people like you and me. Let us find Emmanuel in our opportunities to serve. Dr. Schweitzer said, keep your eyes open for the little tasks because it's the little kind tasks that are important to Jesus Christ, you must travel in the motor car with my wife. We, our, ours is a mobile baby clinic. It has baby clothes from birth to death, and if we're lucky, we can find somewhere to sit. And we drive down the road, and he, I get a heart attack every time she does this. He wants to stop, and I said, "What? What? What? What?" There's a lady with a baby. Opens the window, gives it a drone a little bit further. Stop! Oh, no, not again. What now? There's another lady with another baby. And (laughs) I love you, my (laughs) darling, even when you give me a heart attack. (laughs) Because I think what I'm trying to say is, isn't that what, what Paul is trying to say here? Is to just use every opportunity we have to make a difference in people's lives. They're all around you, folks. They're all around you. You passed half a dozen on your way to church this morning, I guarantee you. How can God work in a a broken world unless he uses us? How can God bring warmth into, into cold people's lives unless he uses us? How can God unite a divided nation unless he uses us? How can God... Do random, little little random acts, little acts of kindness, unless he uses us. Who else? How can God bring good into the world unless we bring good into his world? And so finally, I want to ask, I know you're thinking, well, where? Where must we do this? Where should we be serving, using these opportunities? Most people will say, oh, in a church environment, that's what you're there for. Well... Really? You know, Yvonne and I were in Mendon some time ago, never been there before, man did we get lost. Have you ever been in that place? I mean, it's huge, it's just huge. We got totally lost. We didn't have a clue, and then we saw a little sign that said, with a map, and said, you here. <laughs> now, you're here. <laughs> Where do the opportunities start? They start here. <laughs> the way we serve is is wherever we are, doing whatever we do, wherever we are, whatever we're doing. Let's do it for God's sake. The way is as simple as that. Do it here. Do it where you live. Do it where you work. Do it where you shop. Do it when you're driving. <laughs> And then I can just hear the words coming and say, now how does God want us to do this? Where am I going to find the power? Well, the answer, of course, is the greatest gift that God ever gave us, gives us, is the prompting power of the Holy Spirit. When your little man, have you got a little man? He sits here somewhere. My little man talks to me. And Yvonne's got a big man. And it's not me that talks to her. But we've all got a little man inside. You know You 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 know what I'm talking about. You pass someone and as you go past, you think, oh, I should have stopped. Oh, look at that. Oh, I wish I could do something about it. Oh, isn't that so sad? Isn't that, oh, 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 shame. That's a good South African expression. Oh, shame. But if we don't do it, who is? We are God's hands and feet. This is what Jesus came to show us, teach us do it, just do it, go go into whoever it was that started the, the thing that says just do it, Nike, thank you. And I can just hear you saying to me, so how do we do good when we leave this place, Derek, in a few minutes? Well, we do good however or whatever the Spirit leads us to do. Whenever, wherever, however, the Spirit guides us and leads us. Because, you know what, folks? It's a little man that sits in here, in every single one of us. When you see something and your little man says, "Ooh, Oh, just look there, ach, shame. That's a good South African expression. Ach, shame. But now how many of us act on our ach, shame? Because in a sense, that's what this whole teaching is about. Do something with Achshem and see where it takes you. Why do we do good? This is our sermon series. Why do we do good? It's your destiny. Where do we do it? Wherever you are. How do we do it? However the Spirit prompts you to do it. Are we, are you, am I, are we willing to say Yes then just do it. Just do it. And the next time you see something on the side of the road, don't put your foot on the accelerator, put it on the brake after you've checked the rear view mirror. And, and just do it. Just do it. I think that's where we're going to find Emmanuel when we take the opportunities that present themselves to us every day of our life. Will you look for those opportunities? Just do it. Just do it. Thanks be to God for his word to us this morning. Amen.